You're listening to Guinea Pig and Green. I'm Laura. And I'm Stephanie. And we like talking about health, wellness, and eco-friendliness in a fun and approachable way. In today's episode, we are at VegFest. And uh, we're going to tell you all about the vendors we're loving and the speakers we're loving and the cooking demos we are sampling. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Guinea Pig and Green. Hi, Steph. Hi, Laura. And we want to give a little bit of a welcome to any new listeners we might have on this episode. We've noticed a jump in our listeners in the last Yay. few episodes, which is awesome. And so if you're just joining the podcast, you may not know who we are. So, Laura, who are we? <laughs> <laughs> We're the green guinea pigs. Um, yes, we are. Steph and I started this podcast uh, a couple years ago now, actually, as just this baby project in university. We found ourselves talking about green things a lot, and we just had such a passion for it that we wanted to put it online and make these topics really accessible to the people around us. Yeah, so we have very open minds. We try to pride ourselves on that, and we like to try anything new that we hear that's buzzing around. We're always interested in things that relate to, as you heard in the intro, health and wellness and eco-friendliness. And that goes beyond just the wellness of your body. We're also really interested in like work-life balance and the balance of our minds and mindfulness. So we cover a lot of things on the podcast, um, but that's sort of the running theme that goes between all of them. Yeah. And if you like what you hear today, you can expect to hear new podcast episodes every two weeks. And on alternating weeks, we post uh, a blog post to guineapigandgreen.com. Usually that's a recipe or a vegan-friendly restaurant review, um, things like that. So you can subscribe to guineapigandgreen.com on your RSS feed or even find our podcast on Stitcher or on iTunes if you just want those updates every two weeks. Yeah, and those come out on Tuesday mornings. Um, But today's episode is going to be about our recent weekend at the wonderful Toronto Vegetarian Food Festival. It was amazing. Vegan Christmas. Vegan Christmas. I always look at. (laughs) I always look forward to VegFest. So I'm so glad that you were able to join me this year. Yeah, my first time. Yeah. So um, part of what we do on the show, like we mentioned, we try to make things really accessible. And while Steph and I don't eat meat, we have a lot of friends who do, and we get a lot of questions all the time um, about what it means to be vegan, what it means to be vegetarian. And, you know, those questions that's like, I don't want to ask a stupid question, but can you eat this type thing? So I love being able to share about events like this, uh, share about the types of food that we ate and uh, bust any myths surrounding what a vegan festival actually looks like. Yeah. First things first, it um, is pretty big, actually. It's a fairly sizable festival. This festival has been going on for 31 years, which is amazing. I had no idea. Um, And also that the Toronto Vegetarian Association is 70 years old this year. What an accomplishment. Um, So it's a pretty sizable festival. It took place at Harbor Front Center in Toronto, um, right down by the water. Unfortunately, we didn't have the best weather for it, but everybody was still in really good spirits. Um, So there was lots of different venues set up tents that you could go and watch talks there was a place you could watch cooking demonstrations there were stages where there was awesome musical acts going on all the time Um, and of course there were tons of tents of the vendors and sponsors and supporters of this festival so we got to eat a lot of really good food as well (laughs) yeah 
Um, it was a three-day event, and unfortunately, Steph and I both both missed the Friday, but we were there yeah. pretty much the whole day for Saturday and Sunday. Um, and it doesn't get old. Like Steph mentioned, there yeah. are a ton of different speakers and cooking demos to go to. So even if you've made your rounds at all the stalls, you can like there's always something new going on. Yeah, and actually that was um, my favorite part of the festival. I have been to sort of food festivals before, and it's true. Once you do the rounds and you go to all of the booths, you're like, okay, well, now I need to digest this food. <laughs> so what else can I do? So I loved that actually the bread and butter, vegan butter, if you will, of the festival was the talks and demonstrations, and they really did an amazing job, I thought, with picking speakers and... Um, choosing cooking demonstrations that were really interesting and informative. We went to a lot of really fascinating talks that were really food for thought for the rest of our day on both days. Yeah, so we can talk about Pamela's talk. The first talk we went to together was Pamela Torini, and uh, her the title of her presentation was Marketing Veganism. So she personally has a ton of experience planning vegan events, including VegFest in Ottawa, uh, so she had some experience to draw from from this. And I really liked her talk. Yeah, she was amazing. Um, this woman, she's done so many things in her career. And um, I thought just as a person, she was really interesting, which was a kind of a theme of all of the talks we went to. Um, but she had some really fascinating things to say about so the title was, as you said, Laura, Marketing Veganism. The subtitle was Earning Friends and Allies for a More Vegan World. And I just thought that her approach to the whole situation, I believe what I said to you right after, was that she just seemed so focused on effectiveness and results. And I think that sometimes for people who are vegetarian or vegan, we can get very... Um, like passionate and worked up and we want everyone to like be one to our way of thinking and we want to give them all the information up front but that doesn't always work and her approach was very much like pay attention to who you're talking to pay attention to what they're going to care about you know cater to what their needs are not what your opinion is and what information you want to get across because you think it's the most important. So she really, really was focused on actual results, not just ideology, which I found extremely refreshing. Totally. Um, I really liked the one stat that she brought up from Veganomics by Nick Cooney, and she said that for every person who's either vegetarian or vegan, there are actually five more people who want to make that change but haven't. Uh, and so the whole focus of her talk was really about how can people be vegan, not just why should they be vegan, um, right. because there are so many people who actually, they believe in vegan values, they don't want to harm anything, they just don't know how that's possible. Um, so when you emphasize how it's possible and you make it clear that it is possible and that it's possible to be healthy and thriving, uh, then you're going to attract more people to the movement. Yeah, that was one of the major themes of a lot of the talks that we went to that we found really inspiring. This idea of, um, actually the next speaker we're going to talk about, she phrased it beautifully, Victoria Moran, um, as attraction activism. And it's just this idea that you basically demonstrate that you are thriving and you're feeling full of life and um, thriving on this lifestyle, this way of eating and living. Um, and that 
alone may be enough to attract others, but if it's not, you can add in some of the information that you know, but in a way that makes it seem accessible and manageable. I think Pamela, as you said, did talk a lot about the how, because often it's the practicalities of the lifestyle. You know, what do I bring to my uncle's house who tells me that I eat carrot food all the time, or sorry, rabbit food all the time, and um, (laughs) what can I do if I'm going out for dinner with a friend? And I think that another thing I found very refreshing about her talk was not that she was sort of, she wasn't like shaming vegans, but she was calling out some of the things that vegans have been known for in the past and I don't think it was many of the people that were there at that talk but you know people who say you know why would you ever eat fake meat and what's that good for and they disapprove of that for someone who's transitioning she was very much on the other end as anything that can be a tool to help us achieve our goals of having people eat less meat is helpful which has always been my opinion I don't know if is that where you stand as well yeah I think yeah yeah, I've, I've never really understood that. I guess I can see where people are coming from, but I think I've, I'm always someone who's, like her, focused on, okay, what are the actual results? And if, you know, you switch and you're eating full-time tempeh, like, every day of your life, and you never eat a vegetable, I mean, that's not great for your health, but at least you're achieving the aims, right, of, of what you want to be doing, of eating less animal products. That so, said, though, I do think that fake meat should be eaten in moderation for the only reason that you want to be able to be making food choices that are sustainable for your health. And that's true too. And that's something that she talked about, about the sustainability of the lifestyle. And I think, um, encouraging people to, even if they want to start slow, but in a way that's going to be sustainable for them. We heard a wonderful story about this couple where the man had started out being a complete carnivore and this was not in Pamela's talk, this was later in the festival, and his significant other was totally vegan, and she, like, he would watch anything she would show him, and eventually he just started to cut out one thing at a time. At the beginning of his relationship, he said, I will never give up any of these products, take me or leave me, and eventually he cut out beef, and then he cut out pork, and then he cut out chicken, and eventually he is totally vegan now, and I think that what Pamela was saying in her talk was that that is so much better. If he if that took him three years to do, but now he's vegan, that is so much better than saying, look, if you can't give this all up within a couple of weeks, don't even bother because you're not a real vegan and you don't deserve to sort of sit at this table, if you will, you know? Yeah, and then on the other end of the spectrum, I really liked that she called out very passive Uh, vegans and vegetarians Mm -hmm. Um, because I think at any point so anybody who has been vegetarian or vegan um, has experienced not wanting to feel like the inconvenience at the table Um, so yeah we're all guilty of being like oh we can eat wherever Um, and then when our non-vegan non-vegetarian friends end up bringing us somewhere to no to no fault of their (laughs) own because we gave them full permission to choose the restaurant. If they bring us somewhere where the only vegan option is going to be iceberg lettuce, 
um, and we get this really sad, terrible-looking meal, we're also not doing <laughs> any favors to the movement because all the meat eaters at the table are going to be like, I'm really glad I'm not eating that vegan meal. Um, yeah. So when you bring them to an exciting restaurant, it doesn't even have to necessarily be vegan, but one where they get to see what you're eating as something that's exciting and palatable and something that they would even want to try, that does so much more, and it doesn't have to be aggressive. Right. I, I love that she encouraged that because that's definitely something I've been guilty of even as a vegetarian, just being like, oh, it doesn't matter. But then if your food doesn't look good, they're, you're not going to be making any friends to your, to your way of thinking. So, um, so she, was, she was really, really great. I thought that she did an excellent job and her presentation gave us so much to talk about for hours after. I think we were talking about her all day. Um, and what else did we go to on the Saturday? We went to the Yam Chops cooking demo. Yes. Which was Yam, pretty cool. Yam Chops made samosa burgers with mango oh. chutney, and they were so good. The cooking demos have food samples for everybody at the end, so you yes, just sit there do. for an hour while they make delicious food, and you're like, okay, we're in the yeah. samples. And they were offering um, recipe cards so we can make them ourselves, and let us assure you that this mango salsa pickled red onion samosa burger slider was so amazing and the only bad thing about that entire presentation was my twinge of anxiety as I watched the plates dwindle and the line get longer <laughs> in front of me because no one knew how to line up for the samples at the end we all just sort of crowded in but that was great and um Michael Abramson who was the man doing the cooking demo was just really good at what he was doing and it was a really entertaining demo a little short, but that meant we could eat the food faster, so that was good. Yes. <laughs> um, Saturday, we also went to what was called the Good Karma Diet Talk oh. by Victoria Moran, and you, in particular, loved her. Yeah, I think that I gained a sort of, you know, hero. I mean, she is an incredible, she just seems like an incredible person. Um, Victoria Moran is 65 years old, which I only share with you because it seems incredible. <laughs> she looks like she's um, in her 40s. She does. We, uh, she looks so young, and not only in her physical appearance, but in the way that she behaves, the way that she acts, the way that she gave her presentation, her attitude about life. She just exudes such positivity and youthfulness um, and kindness. I think that she was very funny. She started the talk by making everyone feel very comfortable. The talk had been moved from an inside cozy studio theater to the outside where the wind was howling and the rain was falling. And, um, and, and we, we were, were all, all standing. Cold. There weren't enough chairs for everyone. Yeah, everyone was standing. Um, and she just made everyone feel really comfortable and told some stories. And I had actually never heard of her before. Um, and didn't know much about her her, you know, statement, <laughs> um, her business model, whatever. She's been on Oprah twice and she's just such an incredible person. I mean, didn't you, didn't you think we, we all, we both thought the same thing. Yeah. Her, just her excitement, her vitality is so apparent. Um, yeah. and she's very kind. Like we, we got to meet her after the talk and told her about our podcast because she has a podcast too. Um, the main street vegan. And she's just so present with whoever she's talking to. So mm -hmm. that was lovely. Um, yeah. My favorite thing that she said, 
um, which I think she said in a few different ways throughout the talk, but I thought it was a really important takeaway from her talk was that veganism, so like that non-harm to animals, needs to extend to humans too. So that Mm. means taking care of yourself, so making sure that you have time for movement and meditation um, and the things that are going to keep you healthy and smiling and going because you would never ask an animal to work the type of hours that a lot of us ask ourselves to work. So being kind to ourselves, definitely important. And also being kind to other people when we think of sourcing, the same way that we wouldn't buy leather boots, we shouldn't buy clothes that were made by garment workers making next to nothing in terrible conditions that's also not vegan that's also like that's harmful yeah that's totally true I love that she extended it beyond just what you eat to how you live your life um and one of the other amazing things that she said which I've heard before but I think that she did a really great job of bringing home for me was that veganism and you know that kind of lifestyle is often about what you can't do. It's about what you're not allowed to eat or what you're not allowed to wear or, um, you know, how you're not allowed to live your life. And she, she had this great acronym throughout the talk. And one of the points was to add more than you, to add more to your life than you take away. So the way she has looked at veganism and she's been vegan for like 35 years, like some kind of champion um (laughs) uh she said you know she always sees it as adding more so what are these new foods that I get to eat and what are these new companies I can learn about and that was definitely a theme I felt throughout the festival is that we got to go around and see all of these incredible people you know making this incredible food and doing these amazing talks and it just enriches your life to learn about what these people are doing and Um, it makes the world a better place to have, um, you know, Doug McNish's food and, uh, wood and water ice cream bars. Like if they weren't doing what they were doing, then the world wouldn't be such a happy place. So I think that she just had a great way of looking at her lifestyle. And, um, it's just so obvious that the way that she's lived her life has been in line with her values and, Um, she's been open to evolving and she's just still doing such amazing work. So I found her very inspiring. It was a great talk. And then it got super cold, (laughs) but we we stayed outside anyways. Um, I (laughs) don't know if you guys have have like heard of, I eat grass before, but it's a website. Um, and the, it's run by Ayende Howell and Zoe Eisenberg. And recently the two of them came out with a cookbook called The Lusty Vegan, and it's all about mixed diet dating. So I thought that was, I thought it was really interesting. I know they're both funny people. And so I kind of made everybody like just get hot coffees and sit in the cold and watch it with me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, my boyfriend and I are both vegan, so we don't have a mixed diet and Steph's boyfriend and her are both vegetarian. So they also don't, but honestly, it was so good, and I think they made a a lot of really good points that I hadn't considered before. They definitely did. And also, I I think, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but you and the podcast boyfriend have not always had the same diet. No. When we started dating... There was a time when you were vegetarian (laughs) and he was eating everything except factory farmed meat, is that right? Yeah, when we first started dating, 
I was transitioning from vegetarian to vegan. I had just decided to be vegan, and I was learning mm. all about how to make that work. And he had just given up factory farm meat. And so it was, like, really funny, like, we when we met and started talking, and he was like, I don't know if you know very much about factory farming, but I've just right. decided to make this change. And then I, like, yeah, I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I need to see you again. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so so we kind of we tra- kind of transitioned together. And, and since then, I, I've definitely been guilty of the mentality of thinking, like, well, this person that I care about so much, like, I'm so lucky we share the same values when it comes to what we eat because it's such a big part of my belief system, like, how we treat other living beings. I don't know if I could date a non-vegan. And uh, the two of them, Zoe and I and Day, were, like, very clear about, like, yes, we're vegans and we have interests that extend beyond veganism and attractions that extend beyond veganism. And that's Mm -hmm. why sometimes we end up with people who are not vegan or are not even vegetarian and we have to respect them anyways um, and understand that that's who they are and if we want to love them then we have to accept them that way. Right and if you don't want to then you don't have to get into a relationship with them (laughs) which I thought that they made very clear right. Um, They were really good they had a lot of really cool things to say Um, they were very graceful under pressure when they're videos weren't working and they (laughs) acted out the little (laughs) videos for us so that was really cute but I thought that they um they're both very like sort of young and have a hilarious perspective on the world and their presentation was very finely tuned um but it was good it was a lot about acceptance acceptance of your your partner Mm -hmm. and loving them um anyway and I did like that they said that their interests extended beyond veganism because I think it brings back an important point, which is that there are like a hundred ways to be a vegan and not all vegans um, are in it for the same reasons. They're not all, um, they're not all doing it because it's the foremost concern of their lives. Of, of course, some are, but um, you know, cause someone asked like, how could you ever be with someone who is not vegan? And, um, because it's clearly an important issue, but they were saying, I mean, not everyone sees it in the exact same way, so we can't make generalizations. And um, and it also could be, coming back to what you mentioned from Pamela's talk, that maybe the person you're with does have the same values as you and is mentally a vegan, if that's a thing, um, but just doesn't know how to implement it. And so having that patience with them and maybe even having faith that they will eventually come come around to your view, but not expecting that they will come around to your views, um, can be a way to sort of have a harmonious relationship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were, they were great and so funny. I think mm-hmm. we were laughing the whole time, um, even though everyone was very cold, like you said. Um, and then we went home, we got a cab in the pouring rain and made it back to Laura's apartment and had hot chocolate and vegan hot chocolate. And, um, the next day we came back and what did we see? We went to a talk by Kristen Lejeunesse, who Mm -hmm. uh, is the Will Travel for Vegan Food Girl. So for those of you who don't know her website or her story, basically she quit her job and spent two years living out of a van traveling across the United States eating at every vegan restaurant that existed at the time in the U.S. And was successful. 
And yeah, did it, made it happen. Uh, had a Kickstarter at the beginning of her journey, had a lot of support from her all-vegan family, which I was super jealous of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, she like she told some touching stories about like her, her parents um, and their relationship to veganism. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. And her story was very inspiring. Um, I loved that she was down to earth about the ups and downs of her solo journey. And she clearly had done a lot of soul searching on that trip and, you know, living by herself in the back of a van for two years. Two years! That's a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so her story was very interesting. Um, then we got some delicious food, which was sort of... <laughs> you should just know that... The getting delicious food punctuates every single other other one of these talks that we um, <laughs> that we saw, um, and then we went to a cooking demo called "Becoming a DIY Vegan Superstar" by Lisa Pittman and Nicole Axworthy, who are a pair of women who have just written a cookbook called "DIY Vegan," and um, they were so cool. They were. They were really cool. Um, we were think, sitting next to each other, and throughout the talk, I think we just like kept nudging each other, and we're like, we should do that one day. Like, we yeah, should do that one day. Yeah, exactly. They were sort of inspiring for us on a, you know, like our brand level, because, um, you know, the person who introduced them said that they had been longtime volunteers with the Toronto Vegetarian Association, and have slowly over the years collaborated on other projects and eBooks, and are finally now having their, their first real cookbook, which is so inspiring incredible and inspiring and they're doing this cooking demo together um so i think that um they've collaborated in the past right and nicole Mm -hmm. seems to do more of the recipes and lisa is um (laughs) the presenter i guess you could say um she was the one sort of doing the actual demo they were just really cool the premise of their talk was really interesting too yeah, it was, um, what can you do with a $6 bag of almonds? So they showed us how to make almond milk, how to make almond butter, and then how to make this amazing, because we got to sample it, chocolate oh. tart, um, that like the crust was made from the pulp that they had saved after making the almond milk, and then the chocolate filling incorporated the almond butter, and it was so good. It was so good. They served the yeah. tart, like little squares of the tart, together with the almond milk, um, and I've never been so happy that I'm not allergic to nuts. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it was, they were delicious, delicious. Yeah, and their recipes were outstanding. I mean, the almond milk was really good. I mean, it was exceptionally good. I don't know what they did to it. It seemed very simple, their recipe. But when I drank it, I was like, oh, wow, this is better than other homemade almond milks I've had before. Um, so they just seemed to really know their stuff. Um, and they were just really cute and funny and... We were sitting next to Lisa Pittman's partner in the audience, and he just kept laughing at her because she's very funny, which we thought was adorable. He found her hysterical. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she kind of was. She's very, like, you know, they're sort of, they're both funny. So, anyway, we we really enjoyed ourselves. And, yes, the samples at that one were particularly good, if a little bit small. I wish we could each have a Mm -hmm. big tart. But um, she's going to send out the recipes so we can. Um, So maybe we can make that for the blog or something. Mm. Okay, and then I want to talk about the Farm Sanctuary panel I went to. Um, Yeah. Everybody abandoned me and went home. And so (laughs) I was, like, alone at VegFest alone. And (laughs) and, the last hour. (laughs) um, Anyways, I went to 
a farm sanctuary panel. So for people who don't know what a farm sanctuary is, it is somewhere where animals who would traditionally be raised as farm animals, so cows, pigs, goats, sheep, chickens, even rabbits and ducks, for example, um, get to live out the rest of their lives and grow old, and at no point are they like considered useless and sent to slaughter or anything. It's just they get to live there and be happy and have full lives, and it's really such a beautiful concept. Um, we're really lucky to have a few close to us in Ontario. Uh, I've been to Wishing Well Farm Sanctuary, which is in Bradford, just north of Toronto, uh, a few times now, and it has been... Every time I've been there, it's just been an incredible experience. And my brother actually came with us this past summer and immediately after meeting the cows told me like that evening that he wanted to pursue vegetarianism, which made me very happy. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it was so nice. They had um, representation from Cedar Row, Happily Ever Esther, Pie Bird, which is both a farm sanctuary and a bread and breakfast, which is really cool, uh, and Wishing Well. Uh, and it, it was just, it was so inspiring that, like, these people have dedicated their lives to living with, like, 30-plus crazy personalities of animals <laughs> um, and have learned how to raise animals and um, just, and that's that's what they do. And it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And there were so many great stories from it, but I'll share my favorite one, which is um, that Happily Ever Esther... Uh, which is, it actually just opened in July. Uh, They told a story about their newest pig that they received, and she was a breeding sow, which means that she lived in a factory farm gestation crate for the last few years, and it was, like, really obvious that it had been, like, a very not nice situation for her. Mm. Um, And they had no idea how many litters of piglets that she had delivered um, in her lifetime or... in her time in this gestation crate. And when they took her into the sanctuary, they knew that there was going to be a good chance that she was pregnant, and it turned out she was. Uh, and so for the very first time, this sow was able to keep a litter of her piglets. And yeah. apparently she's just taken to being like a really incredible mom. And it's just been like really touching to watch her with these piglets, knowing that she had to go through so many years of being impregnated and then having her piglets taken away from her. So that was like, you know, like a teary eyed. (laughs) Um, It it was, it was just so beautiful that people are doing this and and recognizing the respect that these animals deserve. Mm -hmm. And also now I have to have animals. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What was the most interesting thing you learned on that panel that you hadn't known before about farm sanctuaries? Huh? That's a good question. Um, I didn't know that pigs were really territorial. So apparently it's a little, like, one of the challenges of introducing new animals is that sometimes if you want to introduce a new pig, it can be a bit of a challenge. Okay. Um, I also learned that a lot of the animals that come to farm sanctuaries are animals that have been sold to people under the pretense that they're like miniature or pygmy. Um, <laughs> so people buy what they think are pygmy goats or like teacup pigs or miniature pigs. Um, 
and they don't realize that that doesn't exist. That's just something that's used to like sell adorable baby animals to people and then doesn't really matter to the breeder because they're just making money off of it. Um, and then the animals get too big and people have to find a new way for them uh, to keep living, so they have to send them to these farm sanctuaries. So I think Cedar Row has a couple of what were supposed to be pygmy goats and are now 200-pound goats. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even Esther, who's the wonder pig that um, inspired Happily Ever Esther, was supposed to be a like a teacup pig or something. Like When they got her, she could, she could fit in two hands, and if you see her now, she is like this mammoth pig, like, you'd have no idea that pigs could get this big. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was, yeah. That's cool. Um, that seems like, I mean, I, I was not even really understanding the motivation of why someone would sell, like, you'd think the game is up, guys, like, how would anyone still fall for it? But I guess I wouldn't know that anyone would be like, this is a miniature pig, but actually it's a huge pig. It just seems like such an absurd game to play. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people, especially because so many pigs are factory farmed, a lot of people don't even know what pigs are supposed to look like or what they have been genetically altered over years and years and years of being bred for food to look like um, right. and to grow, like how big they're designed to grow now. Um so we, we really don't know. Like, we see pictures of baby pigs online, but we never see pictures of these, like, full-grown, mm-hmm. um, of these full-grown animals. Um, and now I want to talk a little bit about what food we ate. <laughs> <laughs> I have a list. I have a list. Because we ate a lot of really good food, and we want to give credit where it's due. So first of all, we had some really excellent samples. So we tried the roasted garlic veginase at the... Earth, uh, Earth Foods is that the oh man full I don't name? I don't remember what their company name is oh gosh yeah Earth Island I'm Earth. so sorry <laughs> Earth Island booth I always just call it Veginase that's why I wasn't sure yeah me too um I think it's actually Earth Earth Island and then now I'm seeing on their website follow your heart so I'm not sure if they've rebranded. Cool. But follow your heart is there for the veggies. I was I was really pleasantly surprised by their cheese. Their cheese was really good, and I don't even eat vegan cheese on things very often because it's not a great replacement for other cheese. And I've come to just get gotten used to like eating things without cheese. But I was very pleasantly surprised that their cheese tasted good. Yeah, and their roasted garlic mayonnaise is off the charts so um we also had of course our beloved field row samples there was a line out the door um of the tent that they were in even in the rain people were standing in the rain um it was crazy how long their line was for the samples but their sausages are very very good and we had a chance to sample their new cheese which was also very good um so we were very pleased with that um what else did we try um the good good food for good creates like these um a lot of like indian curries so there's like a jarred coconut curry and a jarred butter chicken sauce that is oh yeah completely vegan and they're both incredible i actually ended up on sunday after the panel buying three jars because they're so good and they're all organic and they're committed to local um and parts of their proceeds even go to charity so amazing um, really great company and the samples were great um, of course, Gardein had their beef 
their ground beef bites. Ground beef beef. <laughs> it, it was good. We went back a couple times for that. We went to the So Delicious. This was insane. They were giving out full ice cream bars, which is... They, they must have these, spent thousands on samples for the weekend. I know. <laughs> no idea how they did these that. These minis, these new minis that they have these little coconut almond um, ice cream bars or regular ice cream bars. It's all like coconut milk uh, ice cream. And they were so good. I got one each day. I didn't abuse it too much. I only <laughs> got one per day. Um, and they were outstanding. I had never tried um, the minis before, so they were very good. Um, Vega had samples of their smoothies. We tried this incredible coffee. Remember that coffee? Yeah, that was really good. It was um, cold brewed coffee, and then they infused it with liquid nitrogen. Yes, so it was like a beer. So that's called Two Bears Coffee. It's handcrafted. They don't um, have a shop, but they they sell it in different coffee shops around Toronto. So you can go on their website, which we'll include in the show notes, and um, see where they are. Um, so that was really good. Those are the ones that are standing out to me. Am I forgetting any? Probably. Yeah, we sampled a bunch, but <laughs> yeah. But the, the things we the bought were oh yeah. Obviously, they were all they, they were great purchases. Um, and it I was nice give, because like, sorry, extra special. I think at the top of the at the top of the list, we have to give an extra special shout out to um, Nona Foods. Yeah. Because they had two things on offer. Both of them were so excellent, and we tried both. Incredibly reasonably priced and absolutely delicious. Yeah, so they have Alfredo sauces, mac and cheese sauce, and then we also tried their mac and cheese sauce on nachos. So good. Um, And then we also tried three dishes from Doug McNish. Um, His burgers, as always, are amazing. He had these, like caramelized onions on top that really made it he had his uh, famous raw tostadas with him and his kale salad which i think was my boyfriend's favorite part mm-hmm. um, um we so went to a great. pie calypse and we got a delicious chocolate dip coconut sprinkled donut and we got a pizza the toronto island pizza which had pineapple and fake bacon and all good things it was really good um and did we buy anything it? else? I think that's all we bought for food. That may have been we all really, we bought. Oh, we got we some really sweets from wanted. the earth. Yes. Um, Mike and I ate that last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we bought some sweets from the earth, uh, Nanaimo bars, and also their brownies. And they're so good. Honestly, I, I'm feeling like I have to have a really healthy week to make up for how much junk I ate this weekend. Vegan food is all yeah. not good for you. <laughs> it's not all good for you. I know. Uh, and we did split a lot of it, but it's true that we did eat a lot of good, really delicious food. So mm-hmm. um, that is that was our experience. We had an amazing weekend. It was really interesting. I think both of us came away feeling really energized by what we had heard and inspired to be better and um, just to... It was so great to be around a community of people that are all sort of like-minded and interested in the same things, and we just had a really incredible time. Here's what I want to see for next year. The uh, same yeah. stuff, except way more eco-friendly. I think like there were so many opportunities where they could have encouraged people to use reusables um, yeah. that I think they fell short on as 
as a festival that's dedicated to helping animals, I think we should also be trying to minimize the amount of landfill garbage that we create. And yeah, this um, was something that really think... bothered me early on in the festival, um, and I think we talked about it pretty early on. But there was just an absurd amount of garbage. Like, mm-hmm. every stall gave you a new plastic spoon or a little paper cup or a yeah. big paper cup. Um, and it was all going directly into the garbage. Yeah. And I just thought it was really disappointing um, for a festival, you know, which is, like, green and mm-hmm. um, focused on health and things like that, um, to be, like you say, just sort of not offering any incentives. I mean, the closest thing that we found was at the Yoso yogurt where they had these little um, recycled paper, cardboard spoons that fold Mm -hmm. sort of in on themselves. And then you can use them as a spoon, but it's basically just a piece of cardboard. But then those two, we just had to throw into the garbage. There was no place to like compost them or anything like that. Um, So it was like an effort was made on their part, but there was no real um, solution offered for how to dispose of it. It would be so great. It'd be so great if everybody could just have a reusable spoon that samples could be placed on so you weren't, like, dipping your spoon in anything. Right. Um, But samples could be placed on your spoon. Or I always bring Tupperware to these things because I never know if I'm going to want to bring stuff back with me. But also because there are vendors where if you buy something, like the donut we bought, it was it's either they just put it in my reusable or they put it on a paper plate that we're going to throw out in five minutes. So... Um, bringing your own reusables is a great way to, like, start that movement. But I think, like, even as a festival, like, it would be really cool if some of the long lineups could be alleviated by offering, like, an express line for people who brought their own reusable container or something. Um, Like, for some of the cooking demos, I think that would be really neat. Yeah, and I remember I've been to the Montreal Beer Festival before, and to get into the festival, you have to have a beer stein like a like a glass mug and with some vendors will give you in a plastic mug but like it's pretty much encouraged for everyone to walk around with their mug and then they have these beer mug washing stations everywhere throughout the venue hall where you can basically go and it's very effective you just sort of step on a pedal or something and then it just cleans out your mug really quickly um and you're done and I think that that kind of thing could be really easily implemented as well if everybody even maybe like a branded because the mugs at the beer fest are always Mm -hmm. they say Montreal beer fest 2014 or whatever it is and that could become a collectible this festival's been going on for 31 years what if every year they had a specially designed plate or sort of bowl thing that artists made, vegan artists in the community, and you could buy it for $5. I mean, it's free to get into the festival, so you could buy it. And then, like Laura was suggesting, you have expedited lines, there's a bowl washing station, and um, it would just be such a better way, I think. Um, Sure, it would be a little bit more hassle to carry something around all day, but um, I just think the amount of waste that we saw being created at such an otherwise amazing festival was a little disappointing. Yeah. Oh, we should totally write to them. <laughs> yeah, I think we will. Um, but other than that, we had an outstanding time. And it was really it was really fun to spend it with you too, Laura, to get yeah. to experience that and be around cool people. Yeah. Yes. So thank you for spending the weekend with me. I'm so glad that we got to do that together. Yeah. And to anyone else who was at the food festival, 
that's awesome. We hope that you had a great time too. If you weren't, or if you're not based in Toronto, hopefully this gave you some inspiration as well with the ideas that we learned from the talks. Um, yeah, so let us know what you think on our blog, guineapigandgreen.com in the comments, or you can get us on Twitter or Instagram at green guinea pigs is our handle. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Have a great week. Bye guys.